Hi, my name is Mary Jo Major, and it's my privilege to read um, from the Word this morning. Um, the first passage is actually from Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also have been forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And Jesus came and said to them, Go, yeah, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here. There we go, Mr. Bobo. Good morning. Um, good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, let me just add to what John was saying. Thank you, Aaron, so much for your ministry to me and others in the office. And just our, like, almost a heritage, a lineage of the administrator at Christ Central. Um, we've always had, a, our administrator has always been a woman. And we thank you for keeping us normal, like, because we can get crazy in there. And just the lack of thoughtfulness about certain groups in our church. It's easy to kind of get rough, to run roughshod over people who are overlooked and thinking a certain way. And we thank Aaron for, you know, God using her as part of the body um, of Christ to help us see what we miss so often. And that started, you know, way back, Jessica and Elizabeth and Aaron, and now you, Anna, got to keep us under control. So thank you so much um, for taking this position. And um, I know God has already begun to use you um, in, in our administration. And just a heads up that, um, yes, Anna is our administrator, but um, she is also um, serving as ministry staff at Christ Central, working um, to help do some research on some things that we have going on, theologically and helping um, me um, with some of the stuff I'm going to be doing with future sermon series and studies. Um, she's also helping us and helping the women's ministries and um, studies here at Christ Central Church, and she's been helping on Wednesday night. In fact, she taught um, one class of our Westminster um, Confession. Well, actually, God is class. Okay. Um, thank you so much. So I want you to also know that she's not just administrative, but she is what I would describe as staff, pastoral staff. Thank you so much, Anna, for stepping in the out there too. Um, um, another, uh, you know, I, I try to make sure I do this um, when, you know, we have other pastors here, but this is very special for me, and I know he don't necessarily want this, but um, David Sinclair, Pastor Reverend David Sinclair, stand up, David, for us, please. Um, okay, so David Sinclair, Pastor at Clemson Presbyterian Church. <laughs> and uh, his wife, Becky, and their kids are here today. Um, they're not kids anymore. They're kind of big now. Um, but just so you know, David Sinclair was the RUF campus minister when I was at Clemson. And so David is the reason I am in the PCA. Um, he was at Clemson, and I remember we sitting on a bench talking about something called grace. 
and we talked about grace, and we talked about what it meant for God to love us, and um, and um, it was it was incredible. It was eye opening. And then he was like, "You checking out seminaries? Go check out Covenant Seminary." Well, I went to Covenant Seminary and got involved with the PCA, and here I am. So thank you, David, for coming and being here today. Um, But as we continue on this uh, sermon series on explicit lyrics of the faith, let me let you know that it's time for me to go on my vacation too. So this is the last time I'll be preaching for the next four or five weeks or something like that. But we're going to continue on that sermon series and have um, some of our pastoral interns and assistant pastor um, Charles McKnight preaching for us. Um, so please continue to be here and, and, and hear what God wants you to get from um, this sermon series. But as we continue today on this and in this sermon series, I want you to know that evangelism, outreach, engaging the culture, right? Apologetics, stuff like being a good neighbor. You heard Bill talk about loving your community, loving others. All those terms that you hear come out of Christians' mouths are code words. They are simply shorthand for the same thing, believe it or not. And that thing is that the Bible, that, that the Lord of the Bible, Jesus, commands and commissions all believers to be about world domination by him. That the Christian faith, to the irritation of much of the world and fear of many believers, is not personal, but infringing and challenging and inviting of anyone else. This Lord's Prayer that you have before you in, in your reading this morning is anything but what it's been used for, right? When you hear the Lord's Prayer, it is used to be the safe prayer for weddings and christenings and, and baptism and, and family events for everyone to say, say and, and feel comfortable. And it's often accepted as mundane, a mundane mantra and, and religiously benign and harmless. But this prayer is by far one of the most subversive prayers or blueprints for prayers you could ever recite or craft your prayers after. Because this prayer, this, this famous Lord's Prayer is simply the vision for what we see 22 chapters later in the explicitly evangelistic, almost militant Great Commission in chapter 28. Amazingly, they, the Lord's Prayer and the Great Commission, have the same end goal and explicit lyric for our faith, that the world be dominated by Jesus. First, for Jesus to be over it all. And secondly, for all to be under Jesus. And so the fears of those who, who worry that their Christian friend is trying to Christianize them and their world is 
confirmed. Believers, Christians are on a, I'm, I'm letting y'all on the inside discussion, are on a crusade for world domination by Jesus, which starts with Jesus being over all. Look at the first two verses of this prayer in chapter 6 of Matthew. And notice its petition, pleaded hope for believers. Our Father, it says, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer's hope is that God's name be hallowed. That's honored and glorified and recognized according to who he is and, and that his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching and telling his disciples in the world that they should pray foremost for God to get glory in everything, everywhere, at all times. You know what God's kingdom name and will, his glory looks like in heaven? Heaven is filled, right? According to what we find in the Bible, it's filled and saturated and defined and shaped and timed by God and for his truth. It is actually formed and conformed even down to its angelic supernatural occupants to what and how God wants and is his name, his way, his direction. Heaven, the Bible teaches us, responds to and represents God's glory. This prayer is saying that believers are begging, right? They are hoping. It is their prayer that God be true like that in everything and everywhere on earth, right? Every crack, every crevice, every circumstance, every situation be hollowed by his name and conquered by his kingdom and shaped and shaken to and by his divine desire. With that dominating vision and prayer, Jesus comes back and tells his disciples in chapter 28 that he, Jesus, is the answer, basically the answer to the prayer. The son sent from the father who now sends God the Holy Spirit is the way, right? Jesus is the means, the power, and the glory through which God will be hallowed and have his kingdom come. That, that Jesus has all authority and power over it all to get it done. Because that is true, he tells his disciples to go and influence and infiltrate and intrude with the kingdom of God to be part of shaping where? Jesus tells them, in and to all nations, which means what? Everywhere and everything, right? That everywhere everything should hollow and praise and fit to and conform to the will of God by his followers teaching and showing the world and sharing with the world God's will to be done. As he puts it here, through all that I have commanded you. Okay, this may sound harsh to some of you, but once again, yes, Jesus is saying, okay, if you're not a believer today, again, I'm letting you on a little family secret. Christianize, 
right? That is with Christ's authority, seek, seek God's glory. Christianize everything. Now, I'm a stickler that baptism here applies to water-based sacrament in verse 19 of chapter 28. But let me use it as a metaphor. Jesus is asking that everything be christened, that it is God's will that one day everything will be washed and consecrated and confirmed for the glory of God according to how he wants it. And everything means governments and institutions and justice systems and art and music and business and science and engineering and nature and home management and child rearing and education and yes, politics, all to be done, shaped and challenged, to be done with an ethic and passion that fits God's holiness and hallowedness, if that's a word, and kingdom and, and will as we see it given to us in the Bible. So believers, not just on a lifetime crusade, but believers live life to be and engage everywhere. And get involved and have a hand and a voice and a presence so that Christ can claim everything and get glory, God's glory out of it. Believers live to bring and gospel correct everything going on in the world, right? Engaging it and giving to it and meddling in it and joining it and leading it and serving it and suffering in it for God to get worship. Sometimes by amping it up or doing what it takes to shut it down. That means believers' citizenships, earthly citizenships, all their little memberships and place in history as part of the general population is all about being there to get glory for God, to do what they can to make Jesus happy and please in and with whatever they are involved with. But they believers, of course, are not only on a crusade for Jesus' domination, for him to get glory from all things, but all people. Now, still taking into context what we have heard and learned from the verses about the Lord's Prayer, look at verses 18 through 20 once again in chapter 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When Jesus says, go into the nations, this was revolutionary talk. Because he's saying, don't just go to the Jews, right? Right? Don't just keep it in the religious social context that you grew up in. He is saying to, to give God glory through submission to Jesus as Lord, but to everyone, right? To, to the Zeus worshipers, right? If, if they existed back then, right? To the Eastern mystics, to the sometimes I am Christian when I feel like it folk, the Buddhists, the atheists, the agnostics, the humanists, the I am nice to everyone and animals too person, right? Whoever they may be or believe Teaching them to observe. I like the other translation. Teaching them to obey Jesus. Jesus is commanding his followers to go to people and tell them 
I'm not telling you how to say it, but to tell them and show them that guess what? Remember this explicit lyric sermon series. This ain't the nice one, right? That they need to bow down to Jesus, to give their lives to him, to stop living like and for anything else that doesn't hollow the name of God of the Bible and his son and our savior and king Jesus, right? To ask and invite people to lay down and check their philosophies and thinkings and deeds and hearts and whys and why nots to Jesus, the one who is the king of the dominant true and right kingdom. When it says make disciples, it goes before, at, you know, baptism for a reason. A disciple at level one is someone who listens to you. A student and not necessarily a convert right away, even though the goal is to have Christian disciples. It starts with getting a hearing from people, being in relationships with them, where you can teach them and tell them and share with them, hear from them and see them. Jesus is calling. This is a hard one. Believers in the world to befriend, to work with, to neighbor, to get into a thread online with, right? To get into an online group and Facebook page and to Google circle up in order to convince, right? To speak the kingdom truth. To be a part of giving the word and way and demeanor of God. So the people of this world were stopped worshiping and living like and for the wrong stuff. That's a life of sin. And start to follow and obey and conform to the will of God and hallow the name, his name to worship and praise God. That they too would join in this prayer and this mission to glorify God in everything. Here's something about Christianity that maybe even some of us Christians have forgotten and don't want to accept and live by and what has been hidden from the world. Believers' relational goal in every relationship, parental, whether your spouse, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a virtual friend, or acquaintance, or classmate, or teammate, or boss, or whatever, is and should be so that everyone they are in relationship with can better and best worship and glorify God and enjoy Him and their humanity in the way God has called them to. Which Jesus tells us is to listen to God, to obey like in what he says, to hear and follow and fall in line and live life how God has said and declared he wants, which means Christians are called by the word of God to crusade with challenge of their and other people's lives and loves and desires and thinking and where they may be experiencing brokenness. I know I'm talking to a church of Gen Xers, and millennials. This kind of stuff irritates us. We want to get along with everybody, don't we? I'm not even sure we like our faith that much. 
not even sure we like Christianity when we start talking about going out into the world. And I know some of you have some really hard experiences, right? Maybe you were in some kind of ministry where you had to get a certain amount of people converted in order to feel like a Christian, right? Maybe you had some bad experiences in, in sharing your faith, and there was this pressure on you. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is I understand the pressure, and we may get to that, and we may talk about some of that, but at the same time, it doesn't change what is true about the faith. Your Lord desires and is determined to be Lord and King and bring his kingdom to this world. I know, here comes the criticism, right? People will wonder as we say stuff like this, who died and made you the God police, right? Or God paramedics. You know what it's called when you graduate and are sent out from the police academy or military training? A commission. Well, chapter 28 is called the Great Commission for a reason. We're called to be here to do the will of God. I know it's hard to hear. And I'm not talking about how, right? And all the different ways and styles God calls and chooses to use believers in every situation and circumstance and relationship to do the great crusader commission. So no believers, you don't have to bring the big black Bible to work in the break room. And no, they don't necessarily have to use tracks and go door to door. And by all means, we shouldn't become mean, haughty jerks. If you are a believer and you are a mean, haughty jerk, then you are out of line and God doesn't get glory from you and me being renegade, self-righteous fools, right? But Christians do what their Lord has declared he wants and their lives are always about Jesus being over all things and all people. But critical to Jesus' domination is Jesus' domination. I say this because, like I mentioned, there is always a chance of self-righteous jerk factor and fear, right? Because contrary to a lot of popular belief and foolish fights, this commission is not about getting people to do all the right things and be good. This is not a moral or behavior modification crusade. Those are the beneficial symptoms and awesome side effects of the kingdom. This is about crusading for the gospel, which means coming under Jesus for salvation. If this crusade was just about making everything and everyone be good and do good, God would fail to be hollowed and his kingdom and will would not come or be done because it would turn into what it has become in so many places, a culture and moral war of we are better than you pettiness and Trust me, this is half the reason the Great Commission has gone sour for believers and the world. Look again at the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to cherry pick verse 12 out of there and read that to you. It says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And then look again at verse 18 through 19 in chapter 28. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's super apparent, but this great commission is not about a kingdom that comes to just crush and dominate by consuming and condemning people. Having his disciples pray that forgiveness be a part of the character of God's coming kingdom. And then for Jesus to call his disciples to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is saying, bring people into my kingdom, not by their doing right and enforcing and crushing them with the moral and religious law of God, but by it, call them to repentance according to it. Thus, baptism, let them enter the kingdom, not through the doorway of being good, but through the doorway of grace. Let them confess their sins and be forgiven by God for not obeying him in their lives and not hallowing his name and not giving him glory in all things. Let them come with God-loving surrender into the kingdom. Call the world to admit their brokenness and lay down their pain and faults and sins. Then let them get their debts forgiven by Jesus. You see, believers are not called to dish out the law like some morally militarized bad cops seeking to beat the head of anyone who doesn't conform, conform to the will of God. No, it is more powerful than that. See, when Jesus says all authority and power has been given to him, it's saying thus, go and bring people into the kingdom and call them to give God glory. Do you know what he's claiming to equip believers with? Not with the rods of condemnation and moral manipulation and shame, but the power through him for people's hearts to be changed and loved as we engage everything and everyone in the world with the message of the gospel. In fact, the Lord's Prayer was taught to his disciples, get this, to combat haughty, self-righteous, I am good, holy prayers. This was about being about God's will and way and not your self-righteous will and way. So God's will being done is that people would come to him through repentance by recognizing forgiveness through Jesus that they can take the, their sin dead and be forgiven into the kingdom because Jesus has been given the authority to change hearts and thinking and then take sins away and forgive everyone everywhere of every and anything. That is the crusade that gives Jesus domination. And that is what Christianity is about in its crusade. But look at the rest of this prayer. Back to chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. I'm going to read the whole thing again, I think. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus' power 
and authority. And then God's kingdom and will being done on earth is not just a banner, right? It's not just dogmatic rigidness and crushing. The kingdom and will and authority and power and domination of Jesus is so that everything and everyone can be redeemed from the fall, redeemed from broken and human mistake and error and meanness and abuse and suffering. It is the vision of Christianity that Jesus dominates so that humanity can finally have a win. So that through him and the ministry of his followers, that people in this world can finally be healed. So that joy and peace and love can come into the hearts and lives of people. So that they can be bread to eat and, and burdens and debts lifted off of us. So that evil and evil histories and things that have been done to us will no longer have power over us. So that we can, through the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, love God and one another. Hear the good news. The Lord Jesus has come to and has the power and authority and ability and will to do that right now and forever for anyone, everywhere, everyone, anywhere, right? Because that is the confidence of the gospel that Jesus comes with a love and power and authority to change it all. But we may not be able to comprehend or see it, and others outside may even have a harder time. But we all should want that. We and others have made a mess of right and wrong and up and down and war and peace and love and hate and all that what it means. And Jesus is crusading through his people to bring a message of gospel. So please, God. We pray, hallowed be thy name, because thy name is Jesus. And in that name is power to crush Satan and sin and evil and pain and suffering and hurt and to set us free to love and live in your kingdom of truth and grace and love. This is the crusade. This is what it means to have a dominating king in Christ. I know it's difficult because in our own political system, sometimes we vote for the candidate who's least likely to mess up, right? We're like, who do we pick? Well, this guy's got these six things, and this guy's got these five things. Which one's worse, right? You can take hope with Jesus as king. There are no faults. There is no failure. You can trust him, not only as you have your own heart, but with the fragile sometimes and hurt hearts of the world around us. This is the great commission Christ has called us to. We want world domination by our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.
for your authority, for your power, for your grace at work. Lord, I do pray right now for your people. When we hear things like this, we all get guilty. We all go up in our heads. We all figure out what we've done wrong and not right. But Lord, we know that this ministry of Jesus' domination is to us as well. I urge you right now to heal the shame and guilt and fear in the hearts of your people. Guilt that's holding them back from praying this prayer. Guilt and shame and performance-based thinking that's holding them back from the freedom of sharing their faith. Please, Lord, work in us anew. So much has been done wrong in your name. So much condemnation, so many wars, so much harm. Please, Lord, let us be impacted by the gospel that says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, that we may be saved through him and not condemned. I thank you, and I praise you, and I pray this right now in Jesus' name. Amen.